This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And we're back here on Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak alongside Steve Geller getting y'all ready for the Week 17 showdown with the Philadelphia Eagles, the team that it seems the Saints play every year. We still got to get into it. So as promised, we have Dave Spadaro, host of the Eagles Insider Podcast, to give us a breakdown on what the Saints can expect this time around. How are you doing today, Dave? I'm doing great, guys. Yeah, it's been three straight years that the Saints have played in, in Lincoln Financial Field. So I know everybody who's making the return trip knows their way around the city, knows where to get the best cheesesteak, knows where to have the best conversation about sports, and uh, knows their way to the stadium. Um, and the first two games in, in 20 and 21 have not gone well for New Orleans. So uh, we'll, we'll see if three times a charm for the Eagles. Certainly well, a lot of stake for the Eagles in this one. They've played so many times in a row that we've gone from the Saints being the really good team in this matchup to the Eagles being the really good team in this matchup. Like, it's it's cycled from top to bottom. It's kind of wild when you think about it. <laughs> yeah, it really is. And that, it's true because 2020, the Eagles were winding down the Doug Peterson era. They were yeah. just transitioning to the uh, Jalen Hurts at quarterback era. And we really got a glimpse then of just how potent the offense could be. Obviously, 13-2 and has been a remarkable season for the Eagles and – Jalen Hurts is an MVP candidate, as well he should be, with an incredible season that he's had. That's the big question, obviously, that Saints fans I know all have is, are we going to see Jalen Hurts on Sunday? It seems he was back to being limited at practice Thursday. It looks like he's trending in the right direction. And from what I've heard, too, the, the whole plan is right now with that one seat on the line, they're looking to win it and wrap it up right now. Yeah, I mean, if Jalen responds well after practice overnight and comes back and goes full on Friday, then it would be a, a good assumption that he'll play. So I still think at this point it's very 50-50. They do have a lot of confidence in Gardner Minshew. He threw for 355, two touchdowns, two interceptions on Saturday in Dallas. Um, but the fact that Jalen was out there on Thursday was pretty remarkable. I don't think anybody really expected it. There is absolutely urgency to win this football game. It will clinch the number one seed of victory, gives the Eagles an opportunity to rest their players in week 18 and get a bye week after that. So that's something that this team really covets. There are some older players on this team that could really use it. We haven't had a bye week here. Let's see, the bye week was week seven. So it's been a a lot of football, a lot of weeks in a row of football for the Eagles. Yeah, and I mean, we're recording this Thursday afternoon. By the time this posts, depending on what the Cowboys do, the Eagles could have possibly locked up the NFC East 
if the Cowboys lose to the Titans on Thursday Night Football. I guess I wonder, is there any is there any nervousness around like, oh, wow, this team is 13 and two. But like if they don't find a way to win this game, they're going to go into week 18, not only not having locked up the number one seed, like if if they lose to the Giants, all of a sudden they might not even host a playoff game. Like, does that creep in at all? Or is it kind of like you're, this team has been so good that it just doesn't even compute that way? Yeah, I mean, Jeff, this team is so good. It doesn't compute that way. This is okay. a really confident team there. They haven't been winning by flukes. They haven't been winning by late field goals. They're not winning by one possessions. They're romping teams, and um, they are a competitive team. They are. They've got great chemistry. There's an enormous amount of talent, and uh, they know they're a very good football team. And when you know you're a very good football team, I mean, they were pissed coming out of Dallas. They lost a game where they had two 10-point leads. They turned the football over four times. The Cowboys – converted a third and 30 play, which never happens in the NFL. Yeah. And the Eagles were really kind of just, yeah. yeah, they were, were kicking themselves after, you know, leaving uh, AT&T Stadium. They shook that off. So they're all business, and they don't take the Saints lightly. They've been really remarkable. You know, during the course of a season, you see teams generally go up and down, and they play some really bad games. There have been very few times when the Eagles have played poorly this year. So, And the only thing that's really hurt the Eagles, certainly offensively, has been the turnovers. They had four against Dallas. They had four against Washington. They lost both of those games. They had three against Chicago. The offense stuttered and sputtered and, you know, eventually won out. They had two against the Colts and it needed a fourth quarter comeback. But otherwise, the offense has been like a highlight film up and down the field. How do you want to, how do you want to get beat today? I mean, do you want to try to play coverage? Okay, the Eagles will run for 350 on you. They're, or whatever, you know, they'll run for these crazy numbers on you. You want to play stack the box, they'll throw for 300 yards on you. They're just a really versatile team um, uh, that is, I just don't think, going to take the Saints lightly. And, look, the Saints could come in here and play a great game and win, and the Eagles know that they, they go to the following week and they win a game and they accomplish their regular season goals. So to answer your question, no nervousness, excitement, and um, I think uh, very much looking forward to getting rid of that loss, that taste of that loss in Dallas out of their mouth. Yeah, you, when you talk about those the giveaways the last couple of games, what what's happened? Like, like, like There was such a huge turnaround from the beginning of the year when the Eagles were stingy at giving the ball away, the, one of the best, and the last, I think, what is it, three or four weeks now, they've been at the bottom. Yeah, well, you know, you're going to go through cycles. It happens to every team. Um, I think that maybe Eagles fans got lulled into this thing where they thought it was going to be a blowout, a blowout, a blowout. And it was almost like a weird complacency among the fans. Like, gosh, huh, this is boring. The Eagles are up 14 nothing. Oh, huh, huh, it's 21-7. Oh, it's 24-7. That's just not the way the NFL works. And um, a lack of concentration. You know, there, there's good teams. Teams figure out how to play you. They've been a bit sloppy with the football. Uh, Nick Sirianni said that they're going to coach it differently this week and really emphasize – ball security again, which they did after the Washington game. And then they went on another run. So uh, we'll see. But um, certainly they've been a, a runaway leader in the turnover ratio throughout the season. Now all of a sudden they're looking up at the Dallas Cowboys. And and as we know, the NFL is all about stats. You can pull them out of every corner of the universe. But one that really means something is the turnover ratio. And when you are on the positive side of that, you win football games. And as the Eagles have found out, when they're on the negative side, it's been a whole lot harder to win. 
Then you talk about the turnovers and obviously a guy who had a lot of them. And hey, maybe that's part of the story is he a guy who has six interceptions is not available for the last month plus. CJ Gardner Johnson doesn't look like we're going to see him this week. They didn't open his his return to practice window. Uh, and I'm sure that wasn't a decision that went over well with CJ based well, on what I know about him. Yeah, what has he kind of been like? How has he kind of acclimated? Because fans were a lot more upset about the C.J. Gardner-Johnson trade than trading away next year's first-round pick because, <laughs> like, that was a giveaway. And so how has he acclimated, obviously, beyond just the interceptions? Yeah, it's interesting, though. It doesn't seem like it's really hurt the Saints from a secondary standpoint. The New Orleans numbers are still really good defensively and certainly against the pass. He made the transition from nickel cornerback in New Orleans to starting safety in Philadelphia came in, learned the defense really quickly, much more athletic than what the Eagles had previously. They were terrific with him in the lineup, and the takeaways really have fallen off since he's been out of the lineup, suffered that lacerated kidney. CJ, as you guys know, I mean, he's a really animated guy. Um, He's a very colorful young man, really has fun with the game, uh, is a very good football player. I think the plan is to ramp him up get him ready for the playoffs. Right. And that would be a big boost to the Eagles. They could really use C.J. Gardner-Johnson. Whether he comes back here as a nickel cornerback or as a safety, his ability to get to the football is terrific. He's fit in really well with his locker room. I think he likes the culture up here a lot. Look, when you join a team and all of a sudden you start the season, what was it, 8-0? Um, yeah. Everybody jumps on board and loves that. So we're looking forward to getting him back. Really like him as a young guy. And I think it's – his enthusiasm is contagious. He's got a lot of style. He plays the game the right way. And, um, you know, I really know he, I know he enjoyed New Orleans a whole lot and was stung by the trade, but it's business in the NFL, and, and the, the Saints feel like they can build for the future and that they had replacements for him. And by the numbers, your defense down there has been really good. Yeah, everywhere but interceptions where CJ has two more than the entire Saints team, and he hasn't played in a month. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, know, and, next, and look, that can be pass rush too. I mean, there's a lot of factors. Marshawn Lattimore yeah. has been hurt. So, but yeah, but Which certainly he has Lattimore kind of the same injury as CJ Gardner Johnson. Oh, I didn't really know what he had an abdominal injury or some sort of a hip injury or something. Yeah, abdominal lacerated kidney. Oh, he had a lacerated kidney too. Oh, gosh, yeah. man. Ouch. It looked so painful when CJ went down against the Packers. Yeah. I mean, you could just tell, like, ah, a lacerated kidney. Yuck! I know the game's physical, but you have to be that gross. That sounds awful. Yeah, yeah and one the, of the things that that Da told us, and that makes sense, is like, or I think it was actually Chris Richard who said this: is it's not even like back to being healthy to the point where you can get on the field. It's like back to being healthy to the point that you can take a hit in an NFL game when you have like internal organs that are damaged. And it's like, yeah, that's yeah. tough to that's tough to gauge, right? <laughs> yeah. So you know, um, he's healthy now. He looks great, uh, but it's now a matter of getting back into football shape, yeah. and he should do that for the postseason. Sticking with the defense, you know, obviously the big focus is the the points that that Philly can put up. But man, the defense gets after the quarterback, obviously um, with those sack numbers, and just adding to the defensive line too was so key. I know for the team for this final stretch and heading into the playoff run, just um, who's really been the standout on that squad? I know uh, Reddick's got the been the team sack leader but like as your your vocal still leader of that squad the one the one really manning the ship for them I guess I'm not sure there's one guy because you know I think first of all from the pass rush standpoint I think what's key is that it comes from so many directions they've got Reddick with 12 and a half Hargrave's got 10 Sweat I think has 10 Graham has nine Cox has six and 
when you have multiple threats, it's really hard to account for all of those pass rushers. Then they get run on in Houston. Washington runs on them and beats them. So they go out and sign Linball Joseph and Indomitus Sue. So two veteran, two leader guys. So there's a bunch of leaders in this in this defensive line group in front seven. And I really think the one who's playing the best, I think, is probably Josh Sweat. He's been great in his fifth season. He had an interception and pick six last week. And he's rangy, bends really well. He gets to the quarterback. He's played the run. He sets a good edge. Uh, just a, 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 at one time in his life, a, a five-star, best in the nation by one recruiting service, high school football player, suffered a gruesome leg injury. You could see him kind of dragging that leg around early in his career, but he's really come on. And they're going to they're gonna put pressure on Andy Dalton on Sunday, no, no doubt about it. Um, uh, they know the challenge is Alvin Kamara. They know the challenge is Taysom Hill. They know that you've got speed down the field. Um, but they feel like if they can get to the quarterback as they try every week um, and they lead the league in sacks, that that really sets the tone for the defense and that those takeaways will start to come again because, as we all know, they come in bunches. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, so th- this roster, one of the things that kind of stands out to me, and I think it's impressive for a team that's this good, is how many of the players on this roster and key players weren't drafted by the Eagles. They were either acquired by trade, they were signed. You know, obviously we talked about CJ, a guy like AJ Brown, who, you know, that's a big trade. And a lot of times you don't know how somebody's going to transition from one offense to another. He didn't miss a beat, right? You talk about Indomitian and Sue. Linval Joseph, Josh Sweat, Hassan Reddick. These are all guys who were on different rosters just a few seasons ago. And for them to all kind of coalesce into a, not just a good team, a great team this quickly yeah. is very impressive. And why do you think that is with this group? You know, I, I give Howie Roseman, the general manager, a lot of credit. He killed it in the offseason. The Eagles made the playoffs last year. They identified their weaknesses. They manipulated their salary cap really well. They went out and in free agency got Reddick. In free agency got Zach Pascal, their fourth wide receiver. Uh, they get Kaiser White for a one-year deal. He starts at the outside linebacker, offside, off-ball linebacker. He's had a really good year. They draft Jordan Davis in the first round. He's made an impact. They get James Bradbury, yep. cornerback, after the draft, and on and on it goes. Hmm. I don't know. You know, they 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 identified players who could fit in the system. It's one thing to go, okay, these are talented players, but sometimes those players don't fit in the system. So they, they identified players who really like to play football, who they felt could fit into this culture. For Reddick, for example, it was a return back home. He grew up in Camden, New Jersey. He played football at Temple University. Coming back home has been great for him. Um, and then they're just really high-character guys who just fit the X's and the O's and the demands of what the offensive and defensive schemes ask. And it's, it's just all come together. You know, look, we won a Super Bowl here in, in 2017. You kind of get the, the pattern is there's definitely luck involved. But it's a lot of chemistry. It's a lot of selflessness. Um, it's a lot of everybody kind of making sure that they know their role and they star in their role. And that's what this team has become. And then you just get the really high-end talent. I mean, when you put uh, AJ, AJ Brown with Devontae Smith, you go, wow, this is like two – 
listen, look what the, it's what the Saints envisioned when they traded with the Eagles, got the first pick, got Chris Olave, and hoped that he would pair with Michael Thomas. You have two number one receivers. They're unstoppable. I mean, they, there is nobody has been able to stop both AJ and Devontae in a game. Um, they've been able to take one out, maybe, but not not both of them. Not tight end Dallas Goddard. There's, there's just it's just a collection of great talent, really selfless guys, and and everybody's just kind of rolling in the right direction. And here we are. This team's 13 and two with a chance to be the number one seed in the NFC. No guarantees, of course, in the playoffs, but it's a very good football team, top to bottom. And if they can go into the postseason healthy, they're going to be tough to beat. So obviously Sirianni won over fans immediately, basically there getting the team year one to playoffs. And now even looking, you know, even a more fearsome unit now was the feeling initially as, as warm and, you know, as uh, optimistic, maybe. Yeah, I figured. Please. Philadelphia. <laughs> so the, he has his first press conference. Okay. This is during COVID. He's, he's in the auditorium by himself. He's, so guy's first-time head coach. He wants to thank everybody in the world, right? right? If we were hired as head coach, we would want to thank everybody in the world. So he's in an auditorium. He's looking up at this big screen with a bunch of ugly media guys like us. And <laughs> he's reading off a script like, hey, thanks to everybody who's made a difference. And the media ripped him for his opening press conference. Ripped him. And they were like, There's this, the level of skepticism was so ridiculous. And then the Eagles started 2-5 and five last year. And Nick did not waver. He doubled down on what he believes in. He talked about how, you know, the seeds under the ground, their roots are growing and they're forming and they're building foundation. And everybody was like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> and then and then the Eagles, you know, turned the season around, reached the postseason, and then proceeded to just destroy in the offseason. So, and now this is a football team that is to be reckoned with, not only now, but they've got the Saints' first-round draft pick. They've got extra picks in the, in the till. They're going to have a lot of cap room. They've got a lot of young players signed. There'll be some tough decisions to make, but the foundation is is here to be a really good football team. And I think Nick has all the makings of a of a truly great head coach. Peterson's not doing too bad now in Jacksonville. Yeah, you know, here's what's interesting for him. The owner, the owner Jeffrey Lurie, bought the team in '94, first season '95, fired Rich Kotite, or Rich Kotite's contract expired. Yeah. Since then, okay, every coach that he's hired, everyone. Ray Rhodes, Andy Reid, Chip Kelly, Doug Peterson, Nick Sirianni, everyone has made the playoffs. It's pretty good. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Well, this and the Saints have appreciated some of those playoff visits in one way or another as well. One last question about a former Saints player that I still think it was a troll job by the Eagles. Oh, Ian Book, how's he doing these days? <laughs> you having um, a good time? Yeah, I mean, Ian's, Ian's been as quiet as a church mouse, hopefully getting better. You know, I, I can't comment really on what he's done because he's not played. He wasn't here in the preseason. A lot of curiosity when, when Jalen went down. I mean, there's a possibility, of course, that Jalen doesn't play on Sunday and Ian Book for the second week in a row is, is the backup quarterback, is one play away from playing. So, guys, you tell me, if Ian Book is on the field on Sunday, what can Eagles fans expect from him? It's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> he only played in one game for the Saints, and the it Monday was the COVID game. Yeah. game against Miami oh, when everyone was out. 
but it, it just it struck me as a troll job when they when they signed him because it's like why are you why are you using a waiver claim on on a guy who's going to be third string quarterback? But yeah, he's a good guy. Well, yeah, but you know the thing is like Minshew, Gardner Minshew will be a free agent after the year, and yeah. the, the idea is that so so you're always trying to develop that next step. And I really feel like the Eagles have uh, an excellent balance of addressing the now and also keeping one eye into the future. And uh, look, that's why this team has been as good as it's been for many, many years here. Um, 17 playoff appearances, I think, in the, in the 2000s. Third in, in the NFL during that time. That's pretty darn good. Well, Ian Book was definitely a Peyton pick. He liked his whole his whole makeup, his moxie, as a winner at Notre Dame kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, we never really... It wasn't fair, the situation, obviously, a Monday night that he was thrown into, but there were just a lot of times in, in training camp where you were questioning some of his decision-making kind of thing. and But nothing you wouldn't expect from a young quarterback, but I felt there was just more negatives than any real positives you saw during that time. Well, so if he plays, we'll expect a lot of makeup and a lot of moxie. Yes, yes there you go, of, right. And probably He's, a lot of handoffs. <laughs> my my career ceiling for Ian Book is Chase uh, Chase Daniel. Boy, if he right. can have a career like Chase Daniel, he'll take dude, it. This guy's right. been in the league for what uh, forty five years. He's probably made like, <laughs> like it. Three hundred yeah. three hundred million dollars or something. Jeez, he's I'd made, love he's probably like made about as many million dollars as he has pass attempts. Like That's great. Hey, I'll take I'll take that career any right. day of the week. Amen. <laughs> All right, so, yeah. let, one one more thing, and then we'll cut you loose. Sure. Um, okay, what's your prediction for this game? Do you think the Eagles win in a romp? Do you think this is kind of a replay of the Giants game a few weeks back? Because that's kind of what I anticipate. I think. I, don't know, I, I think the Saints. Are, I think the Saints are that kind of team that is always in the game. They're really tough. They're very physical. Um, I can't ignore a defense that hasn't given up more than twenty points since I think November 9th. So um, I think it'll be a really tough game. I, I certainly think the Eagles will win the football game. Um, and then people in Philly can exhale and look forward to a really fun playoff run. But I mean, because after the loss to Dallas, everybody in Philly is on pins and needles and sure. wondering about this team. They're going, they're cr- well, how could the power rankings have changed so much? The Eagles went to Dallas and lost by six points with the backup quarterback. How come they're not the number one team in the power? Not that the Eagles give a crap about that, but the fans certainly do. So I do expect the Eagles to win the game. I just think there's a lot of firepower here. There's a lot of um, urgency, a lot of conviction. They know how important it is to win on Sunday. It's the first game home after three straight road games. I think the fans will be fired up, and I think the Eagles will be extremely, extremely emotional and and geared up to play this game. See, that's one right there. You know, a lot of Saints fans are always critical of the NFL or whatever, however the schedule shakes out. But late in the season, back-to-back-to-back road games, that's pretty brutal. Yeah, it was tough, and uh, but the Eagles won two out of three, uh, built up a nice three-game lead in the NFC East and in the NFC, so uh, they're in a really good position, and they would like to end the suspense on Sunday, and so that's the way the Eagles want to ring in 2023. Yeah, New Year's Day, going to be a good one. Saints-Eagles for the third season in a row in Philadelphia. We've been talking to Dave Spadaro, host of the Eagles Insider Podcast. Check it out. Thanks so much, Dave. You've been very informative, and uh, – well, I, I, normally I would say stay warm, but it's, I don't want to say that these days. Yeah, it's beautiful, guys. And thank you so much for having me. And have a happy and healthy and safe new year to everyone. And we'll see you on Sunday. You too. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, Dave. Yeah, so the Eagles sound kind of like me as a UConn fan right now. UConn men's basketball, 14-0. Yeah, uh, you can't stop us. Well, like 
No, they feel like I do in the sense that this is a 14-0 team and I have nothing to complain about. So I'm going to sit here and complain about the fact that they're number two in the country when they are obviously the best team in the country, just like the Eagles fans are complaining about their power rankings. It can never be all golden and, you know, puppy dogs and sunshine. You got to find something to complain about. I want puppy dogs and sunshine, though. You do, but you don't. You're, everybody's got that little curmudgeon in them. They want to pick apart everything. Oh, I'm very much a curmudgeon, but I still like puppy dog. Anyway, okay. That's going <laughs> to wrap it up for us on this episode of Inside Black and Gold. Steve hates puppies. That's all That's all he has I, to I, say. I'm just looking for more puppies and rainbows. Yeah, we, we know the truth. All right. <laughs> Everyone hit the subscribe button. Hit me up on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak. You can follow Steve and, and berate him for being a dog hater over at Steve Geller, WWL. Check out the latest news, notes, and analysis on WWL.com and every day on Sports Talk, 48 p.m., WWL AM, 870 FM, 105.3, and always free on the Odyssey app. Download it as a good time. You can subscribe to our podcast there, too. It works, I promise. And if it doesn't work, I didn't ever said that. All right, Steve, do you have any parting words? No, getting ready for a new year and hopefully another win. You said no, and then you said them anyway. That was just something I had to come up with off the, the cuff to sign off with. Yeah, you need to come up with a, like a Stay Classy San Diego or something. <laughs> I'm All right, y'all. Steve Geller. Be easy, y'all. Peace. <laughs>